chapter twelve of one thing needful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org one thing needful by mary elizabeth braddon chapter twelve all her spirits in a flame lady lashmar was the last to hear of the interest which her dependent had awakened in the mind of her most distinguished visitor but she did ultimately hear it from lady carmenow who informed her in one breath that mr nestorius had been making an absurd fuss about stella and in the next that it was no wonder he had all but shipwrecked the country he is always in extremes said lady lashmar with a vexed air it is like asking a firebrand into one's house he is all poetry and nonsense that pale face and mouse-like demeanour of stella have caught his fancy of course she is sly those quiet girls always are sly and she has lost no time in making up to the greatest man who has ever come her way would you think she would have so much knowledge of the world brought up in seclusion as she has been cunning takes the place of knowledge old werner has told her that nestorius is a power and she immediately makes up to nestorius she has a delightful voice and i like her to read to me but i really think i must get rid of her i am afraid she is an agitating person and with my wretched health i cannot afford to be agitated lord lashmar is positively angry at the ridiculous fuss mr nestorius is making about the girl pursued lady carmenow vindictively i could see it in his manner at tea yesterday it is so like a radical to come into a house and go into raptures about a servant i wonder if he will discover any more geniuses among the housemaids i am sure the girl who attends to my bath has a very intelligent countenance while lady carmenow was fuming at the insolence which could see any charms except her own the mild mrs mulciber was trying to make friends with jonathan boldwood's daughter and was beginning to establish familiar relations with her mrs mulciber was one of those quietly observant people who talk very little and who never acquire the reputation of being clever society agreed that mrs mulciber was a very sensible person but praise never went beyond that she was a nice person to have in the house at all times and in sickness she was an angel but nobody credited her with talent and yet mrs mulciber had certain arts which were all her own and which she had carried to perfection she always knew everything that was going on around and about her knew people's thoughts hopes wishes loves and dislikes almost better than they did themselves knew exactly which way they were drifting even before they had begun to drift many a matrimonial estrangement might have stopped short of the divorce court many and imprudent marriage might have been prevented if people would have listened to mrs mulciber but these are cases in which people rarely will listen and thus it is that things have been going wrong generally ever since the murder of agamemnon for the tender passion in all its phases from the silvery crescent of an awakening penchant to the broad golden disc of full-grown love mrs mulciber had the eye of a hawk she saw at a glance the mr nestorius's interest in the pale orphan with the beautiful eyes was something warmer and more enthralling than mere philanthropy 
he was a childless widower not five-and-fifty rich his own master he had withdrawn himself from party strife and had leisure to find life empty without love he was an enthusiast a man who had ever seen his own particular objects and schemes fused in a rosy light he was a man with whom to admire meant to adore and he had that romantic and chivalrous temperament which would make an imprudent marriage more attractive than a prudent one when just such a man at just such an age allows himself to become interested in a girl of twenty the result is almost a certainty mrs mulciver told herself that it would rest with stella boldwood whether she should become mrs nestorius and who could doubt that lady lashmar's dependent would welcome such a glorious escape from slavery to say nothing of the fact that mr nestorius was a man whom women were in the habit of adoring moved by these considerations mrs mulciver made it her business to take stella under her wing there was not the least use in stella being proud and reticent bent upon keeping her own place and having no dealings with lady lashmar's guests save that most distinguished of them whom chance had made her friend mrs mulciber's friendliness was irresistible she lay in wait for stella at odd times and seasons in the garden before breakfast being ever an early riser in the corridor before tea in stella's own little den of an evening announcing herself with a modest tap at the door those silly people in the drawing-room are playing games i have stolen away to get a little chat with you she would say with her friendly familiar air and so on until she had established an almost sentimental friendship winding her arm round the girl's slender waist in a motherly fashion what a willowy figure you have child she said one day i am sure you must be an elegant dancer i have never danced in my life never how hard that seems and lady carmenow whose grandfather wheeled a barrow has danced in all the great houses in london and has sat on the dais with the royalties at the marlborough house dances lady carmenow was born to good fortune but i have never been unhappy for want of dances no doubt your dancing days are to come all your good days are to come not all my good days the best are past i never again can be as happy as i was in the library and on the river with the last lord lashmar my life was all happiness then the world was utterly beautiful ah that was only a childish happiness we are all happy in our childhood or fancy we have been so looking back at it yes you have a charming figure stella but this black gown of yours how dingy it is why do you never wear prettier gowns i wear what i am given answered stella impatiently surely you must know that mrs mulciber i get my gowns when the other servants get theirs but you are not a servant it is absurd to talk of yourself as a servant perhaps it is because in reality i am a slave i have no wages have nothing in the world that belongs to me and never have had since the last lord lashmar's death except the few books which he gave me and which her ladyship tried to take away from me i got them back without her knowledge it was almost as if i stole them though they were my own poor child how you must hate this place grand and beautiful as it is no i don't i love it because it is beautiful and because i was once so happy here it is haunted by lord lashmar's spirit i shall never love any other house as well oh yes you will you will have a house of your own some day and you will love that much better the sense of possession and independence is so sweet 
i'm quite a poor woman stella i spend the greater part of my life in other people's houses but i have a little nest of my own by the sea just a tiny little box in a narrow street off the east cliff at brighton where i have my relics my scraps of furniture from the father's vicarage and the poor husband's barrack-rooms and i really think i am happier within those narrow walls with my poor little tea-tray my mutton-chop and my slavey to wait upon me than i am in a ducal palace there is nothing like a house of one's own stella the girl smiled thinking of that fair vision of independence which might perhaps be speedily realized by the kindly aid of mr nestorius the cottage by the avon the days and evenings of perfect leisure and sweetest of all liberty which she had never known since her benefactor's death true mrs mulciber one's own house must be very nice she said you will know that when you are married and have a home of your own ah who can tell how delightful a home such wonderful things happen nowadays stella drew herself up proudly with a defiant air almost tall and straight and slim she stood before mrs mulciber like some young amazon untamed and untamable married she exclaimed i shall never marry why that would be to exchange one kind of bondage for another i want to be independent and free that is my day-dream ah you will have another day-dream before long i know what girls are my love i have spent a great part of my life in studying girls i know their little ways you don't know my ways answered stella i am not like other girls remember what my life has been in this house a happy overindulged child for seven sweet sunlit years and then the world grew dark all at once and i was a servant a drudge unloved despised i heard him the proud master of this house talked of me with his proud mother oh god that one piece of flesh and blood should think itself a creature apart from another piece of flesh and blood that poor clay should look down upon clay there are tones in his voice and in her ladyships that make me feel a rebel and a savage to this day yes even now after i have read plato and learnt to understand the pettiness of our common life no i can never forget how kindly i have been treated in this house and how cruelly you will only think of it all as a dream by and by when you are happy cooed mrs mulciber the girl had evidently no idea of her possible promotion the bruised spirit still rankled under past and present humiliations there was no forecast of future glorification mr nestorius was absent three days during which interval everybody missed him the women sorely he had been the master-mind in all things even in dumb crambo the sonorous and sympathetic voice the earnest grey eyes and pale intellectual face the gentle friendliness with every one from high to low endeared him to all yes he was a man whose absence made an immeasurable gap gabriel verner piteously bewailed that absence his coming has given me new life he said what shall i do when he is gone altogether i hope you will take advantage of his invitation and spend an occasional week in london answered stella you would see something of the world and of your old friends i am too old for the world my dear and my old friends are too old for me their memories are worn to a blank where i am concerned there are few men like mr nestorius who at the very apogee of greatness can remember a humble friend of their youth even stella missed the statesman's visits to verner's cottage the old student's conversation full of thought and of fact as it always was had yet a vapid tone as compared with that flow 
a vivid talk sparkling undulating like water leaping over rocks full of life motion variety glinting dancing buoyantly from theme to theme profound yet playful brilliant yet intense since the world began perhaps or since socrates drew all that was best and brightest among the youth of athens to follow his footsteps and hang upon his eloquence there had never been such a speaker as nestorius and for stella with a mind richly stored and an imagination in all the freshness of youth this talk was almost as a thing divine yea as that seven-stringed lyre which led woods and stayed running streams and made savage tigers follow in sweet contentment she welcomed him with a happy smile when they met unexpectedly in the park on the grey october afternoon that witnessed his return i was going to verner's cottage he said looking down at her with a smile which she interpreted as paternal and protecting but in which shrewd mrs Mulciber would have seen some touch of deeper feeling i thought i should find you there i've only just left him he will be so glad to see you again answered stella simply but i don't think i will go on there just now i'm rather tired after my journey and i want to tell you some news news for me you've heard something about my father she cried eagerly no child no it is of yourself i gave your story to one of the keenest publishers in town told him to make his reader give an opinion upon it instantly he was to sit up all night to read it if need be for i wanted the manuscript sent to the printer forthwith the reader did sit up for the best part of the night but of his own accord stella he declares the story is the finest thing he has read by way of fiction for the last five years full of power fresh young power untrained of course but the style is incomparable where did the writer get his style he asked it is so simple yet so strong scholarly and yet original almost as rich and vigorous as milton's prose i am so glad gasped stella dizzy with delight and so very glad he thought the writer was a man yes that is always a good sign your book is being set up as fast as the compositors can work you will have proofs they will be directed under cover to me by to-morrow night's post how delightful cried stella with almost childlike pleasure and then in a saddened tone she exclaimed and to think that poor mr verner could not get a publisher for his great book on aristotle ah my child great books have to wait if bacon were alive to-day i doubt if any publisher in london would produce his novum organum except on commission mr nestorius did not add that stella's novel was to be produced at his expense and that the clever west end publisher had only risked an opinion the statesman was delighted at her girlish rapture when a man of five-and-fifty stoops to admire a clever girl of nineteen his admiration has a gentle protecting air which is very sweet to the recipient and from such a man as nestorius kindness was like the notice of a god stella felt as if she were living in a new atmosphere balmy reposeful she felt herself lifted out of the region of slavery and humiliation what is come to you stella inquired her ladyship in her coldly level tones as the girl took her accustomed seat beside the sofa at the hour of afternoon tea when every one else was in the library it was one of lady lashmar's doubtful days and she thought it not unadvisable to leave lady carmenau at the head of affairs below she had been vexed to find that her favourite was making so little progress in lashmar's affections 
he owned that she was beautiful and thereupon quoted maud faultily faultless icily regular splendidly null this afternoon lady lashmar was startled by the expression of stella's face there was nothing icy there a lovely carnation glowed on the pale olive cheeks the splendid eyes were aflame with suppressed gladness yes my slavery is endurable now for it is nearly over the girl was saying to herself as she took up a book and opened it where her ribbon marked the last reading you seem in a state of feverish excitement said her ladyship what have you been doing with yourself since you wrote my letters i've been in the village with mr verner that ought not to be a very exciting business you are flushed and breathless as if you had been running with a displeased air as it were complaining of a human machine that had got itself out of gear i walked across the park very fast i feared i might be late you are not actually late but i was very nearly waiting answered her ladyship yes it is five as the sevres timepiece chimed the hour and i told you to be here at five don't come to me in this breathless state another time and now go on with middlemarch while i take tea stella read with sublime patience for the next two hours read till the dusk deepened read on by lamplight not knowing what she was reading thinking of her own book all the while and of what the publisher's reader had said of it was it true that opinion of his was it worth anything had he only said as much to please mr nestorius was the book really good the style really pure it was a very different kind of book to this great book which she was reading with its sober majestic phrases its quiet humour all things subdued to a minor key all human passions kept in restraint her book was more daring daring as shelley whom she adored her book was narrower but more intense was it really good would people accept that bold incursion into the region of the supernatural those mystic scenes which she had woven in the quiet of the night visions which had seemed almost real to her in the midnight silence weird speakers whose voices she seemed barely to have heard her heart thrilled at the thought that if the book were successful thousands would read it and be drawn near to her mind never knowing who or what she was yet one with her by sympathy were but this little book successful her bondage would be at an end for ever she wanted so little for freedom she could live upon so little she who had never had any money or known what it was to have her wishes gratified since she was a child one feeble ray of success would be light enough for her obscure path only to get out of this great grand beautiful house in which she felt herself ever so much lower than a servant a dependent an encumbrance only to get away from the possibility of encountering those proud eyes and scornful lips which always stirred her spirit to rebellion she had schooled herself to endure her ladyship's cold tyranny but never could she so school herself as to look without angry feeling upon the man who had ordered her out of the library as if she had been a dog yes he had driven her like a dog from that familiar room in which she had lived so happily through all the sunny years of her childhood End of chapter twelve